Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 22nd, 2019. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jack Steen, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, Making Use of Our Commitments. All of the commentaries agree that no one really understands this parable, so at least we're in good company. And as I've said, it's just really terrible. (laughs) Complimenting dishonest wealth. That's more than a stretch. That's grasping at straws to try to make sense of this. It's an interesting exercise when you're reading a parable to try and locate who is who in the story. Who is playing the role of God in the parable? Who am I in the story? So in this story, it's easy to presume that God must be the rich man who's ready to fire the manager for squandering his assets. I mean, that case could be made. How often do you squander the assets God has given you? Or am I supposedly the manager who uses trickery to get the outcomes that I desire? That's logical because I do that. And I don't think I'm the only one. And is this story just about profit margins and wealth accumulation and money management? Supposing that it's about much more than that, then what could possibly be learned from this little parable? I read it over and over and over again, trying to find an angle that would be palatable. I even read it out loud at the dinner table last night just to see if anyone else could make better sense of it. There's nothing like going out to dinner and pulling out a bad parable to read as part of a dinner conversation. The truth is, it's just a difficult story to defend. If you're presuming the character placement I mentioned, that God is the rich man and I'm the shrewd manager, I just don't think you can defend that as the way it's meant to be read. And if you read the parable thinking that the parable itself is where the positive message will lie, then I think you would have to call the whole thing indefensible. I can follow some commentators and try to jump through the hoops and find the loopholes in order to salvage the parable itself, or I can just name it up front that the exegetical gymnastics needed to interpret this text and bring some good news to the fore seems simply ill-advised. I would have to make some excuses. I would have to give some allowances. I would have to explain a few things away, and I would have to overlook a few other items in order to find some nuggets of truth to hang on to within the story itself. One person I read said, Commentators are all over the map in their opinions of what we should make of it. One scholar insists that the focus is on the radical mercy of the rich man toward his steward. Another scholar believes that the parable illustrates the need for radical decision in light of the coming kingdom. And still another commentator sees as the focus the shrewd, dishonest preparation, well, it's better than none at all. 
You've got to think that this parable left its hearers scratching their heads. And now 2,000 plus years later, I'm still scratching mine. Here's all I've got for you after reading through what scholars would think. All I can say is times have not changed as much as we would like to think that they have. The struggle is real. We are always and constantly confronted with scenarios just like this one in the parable. In my Sunday school class, we have a couple of bankers. They affirmed for me that this is true. Times haven't changed much because money is always on our minds. How we get more of it and how we manage what we have in ways that will profit us both in the short and the long terms. I mentioned that I listened to a sermon just this morning that Brian McLaren preached about this text, and he points out how it's a classic story of how the rich get richer and how the working class functions beholden to whatever the rich decide to do and how the middle class are often caught, well, in the middle. The parable itself isn't presented in a way to say that any of this is exemplary. When the rich man commends his manager for acting shrewdly, we would be wrong to ascribe God in the role of the rich man commending dishonest wealth. What we have here is a classic tale about how business and money often work, commending shrewdness no matter the cost. The examples of that are endless in your places of business, commending shrewdness no matter the cost. And Jesus concludes this little parable that he probably knew would withstand the test of time because surely he knew that for all time, money was going to be a problem. Well, money is not the problem, but learning how to hold in balance a relationship with God alongside our relationship with money, that's the problem. And let's face it, Jesus does not mince words here. If you are faithful with a little, you will be faithful with much. And if you are dishonest with a little, you will be dishonest with a lot. And you simply cannot serve both God and wealth. If this makes you squirm just a little bit, if this makes you uncomfortable, If you're starting to feel yourself forming a defense for yourself and justifications for how you're not really shrewd, you're astute. (laughs) If this makes you a tiny bit angry, I'm pretty sure Jesus would say, my job here is done. Here's the word that sticks out to me in the whole vignette faithfulness. I can think of about a thousand other ways that I wish Jesus would have stressed this point of faithfulness that would have been better than this one. But for whatever reason, whatever was going on, Jesus thought the people needed a word about being faithful. What would it look like to be faithful? It would look like stopping in the middle of all of your business dealings 
And that's not just for those of you that are working. That's for those of you that are retired and for those of you that hadn't even started a career yet. In the middle of all of your business dealings and asking yourself, am I being faithful? Faithful to my own moral compass in the decisions that I make concerning my money and my business. Am I being faithful to the promises I have made to be honest and trustworthy? And I guess first you have to presume that that is your moral guiding, that you're going to be honest and trustworthy. Am I being faithful to the well-being of another in my business dealings? Am I being faithful to the God who gave me a mind to make wise decisions, not shrewd decisions? And while I think it's clear he was striving to press a point about money, I think it's safe to say that Jesus would admonish us to be faithful in all things. What would that look like? Stopping in the middle of our relationships with family and friends and asking ourselves, am I being faithful to these relationships that I have in my life? Faithful to the commitments I have made to these people in my life. Faithful to my own moral compass. Faithful to commitments I have made to be in relationship with other people. Faithful to the care of their well-being and not just my own. Am I being faithful to the God who gives us to one another in the first place? Am I being faithful What does that look like in relationship to God? It means stopping in the middle of our own spiritual journeys and asking ourselves, am I being faithful? Faithful to my convictions, faithful to my own moral compass, faithful in recognizing that I am not the center of the universe, faithful in acknowledging my need for a strength and a power and a mystery that is beyond me. Faithfulness. The parable is a perfect example of life every single day. Shrewdness coming along to try to make myself better. I want to say that faithfulness is about showing up and doing something. I want to say faithfulness is about going to church all the time. I want to say faithfulness is about giving money to the church. But I think faithfulness is a matter of the heart. It's not something you do, it's who you are about your money and everything else. What drives you? What informs you? How do you set your moral code about money, about business, about bottom lines? What motivates you? Who are your guides along the way? Who do you listen to? Who do you admire? What excuses are you willing to make when your moral compass gets skewed? What are the justifications you make in order to sleep better at night? This parable serves as a reminder that justifications are close at hand to explain our missteps along the way. 
This parable serves as a reminder that just because we are commended when we are creative with our bottom lines, that does not make it right. This parable serves as a reminder that the way of Jesus always has been, currently is, and always will be countercultural. And that always has been, and it still does, and it always will make us uncomfortable. As I was reading, trying to make some sense out of this disturbing parable, the opening meditation that's printed in your bulletin spoke to me. I'm just going to read it to you. If one seeks to live in the vulnerable posture of faith, there are no assurances ahead of time, no guarantees that the life of faith will work. There is only the conviction, the trust, the hope, that God's promises are reliable, and that God will make use of our commitments, weaving them into the ultimate fulfillment God alone can provide. Faith, nourished by such hope, keeps us going. God will make use of our commitments. What are your commitments? Have you surrendered all of your commitments to God. After a week of disturbing thoughts about the word, the two words dishonest wealth and the commendation that seems to come with them, I somehow found an ounce of comfort in the thought that God can make use of my commitments even when I veer off my own path that is the moral compass that I keep. And God can make use of your commitments even when you veer off of your own path of the moral compass you have kept. And God can make use of our collective commitments, weaving them all together in a tapestry of faith and fortitude and forgiveness, and weaving them all together in a tapestry that promotes hope and healing and health. And weaving them all together in a tapestry that portrays love and loyalty and life. Weaving them all together in a tapestry designed to display the beauty of faithfulness. If your moral compass is guided by the love of God and the way of Jesus, and I hope it is. If your moral compass is guided by the love of God and the way of Jesus then all of your decisions will be grounded in faithfulness to the good news of the gospel. So that every single check you write for our more seasoned members of living, for every Venmo you send, for every millennial, for every text you write, every voicemail you leave, Every encounter that you have should have at its core faithfulness to God's call on your life. Anything less would be dishonest. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.